Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Listeners, Remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Rose partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to Roe dot co slash clink sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that medication costs are separate that's ro dot co slash clink hi and welcome to housewives of true crime welcome welcome i am tabitha Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Welcome. Welcome. Housewives <laughs> of True Crime. Welcome. What's up, Buttercup? Well, let me tell you, not me. Because, you know, we scheduled this whole thing around me going to a hot yoga class because I've recently taken up the hobby of exercise. You know, I heard it's good for you. And um, I did it two days in a row, and now I cannot effing walk. 
I am in <laughs> such bad shape. <laughs> I It takes me like five minutes to like sit on the toilet. Like I have to put my hands down first, you know, and then like ease into it. It's those yes. squats. They're stupid. Dude, I, I love that feeling, by the way. No. Like I know no. it's so painful. I know. But no, this is so bad. I went, I dropped my kids off at school and then I went and bought Epsom salt and oh Ar- Arnica <laughs> and just like sat in the tub until we had to do this show. Because oh it gosh. is it is so bad. I, like I've never hurt myself this bad before. It's bad. So exercise, so, be, wait, be careful so, about it. I, that's really funny because... We're recording at this specific time because Gretchen was going to go to the yoga, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously you didn't make it to. Oh, no way. No way. No, way. <laughs> no, way. no I did the Gumby <gasps> dance yesterday. And I think that is what I had one of those instructors that, you know, they like me. I don't know what it is about me, but they like to, you know, put their hands on me and just push me just a little bit harder, a little deeper. I remember the moment he was like, you can get three feet more range of motion. I was like, I don't know that I should. But I <laughs> clearly you shouldn't have. Yeah, but I did it. <laughs> and now I feel like crap. Uh, it's going to last a couple days. You'll be fine. I'm sure my husband's going to be stoked. I'm going to be a real peach this weekend. Guess what I did. What'd you do? Well, OK, outside of Dallas, there's a little town called the Grapevine. Mm-hmm. And they have Grape Fest, and it's Grape Fest weekend. Yeah. And so I made my way to Grape Fest, and they have the grape stomping competition. Okay. Fun. Get up there on stage with all these people. Lucy. I love it. 100%. I love yeah. Lucy situation going on. Yeah. Guess who is the grape stomping champion? of texas no way you are i won oh my god because you're so damn competitive i have little feet she probably wouldn't even let me on her team if i was there i, I probably would not have yeah but savage. she's pretty savage <laughs> you guys yes my team won oh, well congratulations and guess what i won what do you win i won a t-shirt sweet ass <laughs> With a purple foot on it. Did you have to pay to enter this competition? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. It's $10. It's $10. Okay. <laughs> so you, okay. That's nice. So I paid for my t shirt, basically. <sighs> well, I swear nice. there are so many fun things. Oh, I will tell you this also. I did the taste, some tor- sort of like people's choice tasting. You can do all these different tastings. Yeah. Um, so I chose the the wines of Texas mm-hmm. since I'm here. Um, never again. Oh, were they gross? Yeah. That's yeah, it's not, it's not, it, it's not, it's <laughs> not Napa. Yeah, I can't see Texas having <laughs> like, the wine going. Yeah. You know, my I dream mean, is to enter a chili cook-off. I've never... I bet you they have great ones here. I bet they do. Maybe you should find me one. I want to, you know, stand out there in the chili apron. I make some damn good chili. Everyone knows. 
And I would like to enter it in a contest of sorts. That would make me so happy. I'm going to find you one. We're going to do it here. Oh, yeah. You can be my That's bitch. Sweet. I'll tell you what to do That'd all day. That'd be so fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's like already. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, my God. I do have one funny thing to say. Okay. It's not that funny. But last night I was doing homework with my children until eight o'clock at night. That is not funny at all. to eight. Yeah, I know. And then at one point, my daughter says to me, mom, do other moms have mustaches or just you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, actually, there are. Okay. And that don't point it out. Okay. But did um, you get the tinkle razor and shave it off? I just remembered I need to do that. God forbid. Somebody else thinks I have a mustache. Yeah, no, I'm on it. This weekend, I'm going to dedicate to rehabilitating myself from the, that exercise thing and self-care. Yes. Rehab weekend. There, there are some times where I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much peach fuzz on the like chin, not chin, but what is this? Like the jawline? jowls. Yeah. Yeah. And so... As soon as I see that, I'd like get that little tinkle razor. You can get them on Amazon, you guys. Mm-hmm. And just like do, 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 do it on your mustache. Don't do it on your eyebrows. It took one of my eyebrows almost off. Oh, once. yeah. I've made that mistake. That. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways. Let's hear about crime. your crime. Yeah. Okay. This week, I am going to tell you a story about a girl, a young girl. This story is not going to be told like all the stories that I usually tell. Um, The case is not like all the cases I usually cover. You know, I kind of like those twisty, turny ones. Mm -hmm. Um, This one has depth, realness, reality to issues that are going on today, controversy, and maybe some unanswered questions. But you like it heavy. This is different. You're going to see. I don't think okay. you have you any like idea. You like it heavy. What... I am a little more crime light. <laughs> but go ahead. It's funny because you say that, but I don't think you are. No, sometimes I do them heavy, but then I kind of balance it out with a little low fat crime, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. We both like low fat crime. Yeah, we like them both. <laughs> this is not... This is not a heavy crime. I'll okay. tell you that. Okay. okay. Well, you said it was relevant and shit. Everything in the news is heavy. Oh, seriously. Oy. Uh, this is more of like a Me Too heavy. Okay. Cause. Okay. Let's get with it. Okay. So in the end, I hope that you see this story as more than the crime itself and more about a system that needs change, a culture that needs change and kids that need help. The story is about a girl, a girl born to a 16-year-old white mother and black father that she never knew. The father, I don't think anybody ever knew, maybe not even the 16-year-old mom. The mother was high on drugs and alcohol. Even when she gave birth to this girl, she was drunk. The mother was more worried about having a bottle of booze in her hand than a bottle for her baby. And so after eight months, she stopped caring for this baby, 
dropped her off at her grandmother's house, never came back. And finally, the grandmother couldn't also take care of the child. So by the grace of God, a lovely African-American couple adopted this girl. The mother and father were, by all accounts, great parents. They had children of their own that were older. So this little girl brought like a lot of light to their lives. I can imagine like some parts of me are like, gosh, when our kids are all grown and like out of the house, are we going to miss that little like foot patter and want to adopt a baby too? Just get a dog. (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Mm -hmm. I do have some family members who perpetually foster and um, they're practically divorced because the husband is (sighs) like, I want to retire, boo. I know. I don't want to be wiping butts forever. And the wife is, she can't, she can't stop. I think that kind of happened here. This, this um, father and mother also ended up getting divorced. Uh, But they loved this little girl and she knew it. When it was time to start kindergarten, uh, her mother, and I mean adopted mother at this point, I'm just going to refer to the adopted mother as her mother because Mm -hmm. the original one. Yeah. The original one is out of here. Um, She knew, the mother knew she was real smart, probably smarter than the rest of the class. And by second grade, she was in the gifted program. Awesome. And this made her mother proud. Yes. I mean, it was awesome. But something was different about this little girl, especially for kids in gate, you know, like seems to me like kids that are gifted seem to like like to sit down and follow rules and shit like that. I hate the gate program. Can I just say that? <laughs> I fucking hate it. Gifted and talent. What the shit is that? Except a, a way to make everybody else feel like stupid. Less. <laughs> yeah. I always felt stupid. Like all my friends were in gate. Yeah. I Me think too. It, it is like, name it something else that know, sounds right? it's still... nerdy or something. Not By so the way, like it, extra, extra it's... excellent. <laughs> it still is called that. <laughs> Dumb. Uh, well, this girl didn't do so well in gate. Not because Good. she was not smart, but because she made some really irrational decisions as a child. Like she was quick to throw tantrums, quick to become very angry. Not your average gifted kid. Okay. She needed a little CBD maybe. Oh, well, yeah. So, I mean, there is like, why was that? I don't know. It could have been because she was teased at school. It could have been something more. It could be because she was abandoned as a baby. I mean, let me tell you, even having like my puppy dog that was abandoned and abused as like only like super early this dog is still so skittish even though I got him at 16 weeks old you know so I feel like even if she was adopted out at eight months or nine months whatever she oh no that impacts on you oh yeah, yeah for sure yeah so it could have been also from her genes um 
Who knows why she had this impulsive behavior? Yeah. She was teased a lot at school for her white skin um, because she was mixed, but she was pale and she had two black parents. I am assuming by the book that I read, which I will get into a little bit later, she must have gone to a predominantly black school because she talks about the way she felt was different being white. I can imagine it felt isolating, much like anyone feels if they're different, especially because her parents were different. This bullying made this little girl really angry, and she often got into trouble from this anger. And schools are not about to have that kind of outburst. When she would get in trouble, her mother was amazing. She would come. She would pick her up. She would talk to her about what was going on. She was a problem solver, and I would call her a mama bear. She was kind of like this, how she describes her as like, she wasn't going to take anybody's shit. Like she wasn't going to take that little boy calling her daughter a name, but she also wasn't getting on this little girl for her mistakes, maybe as much as she should. You know, she just, she had a lot of like patience, much more patience than I think I would have just saying. Her mother was really, I don't know, she had a lot of dignity and grace. And you would think because she saw her mother being like this, she would try to emulate her mother, but she didn't. This little girl always seemed to overlook what her mother was doing. Always be on the defense. Always. like thinking the worst, having very negative outbursts, almost like she was in a fight or flight mode all the time. And she acted out with fear and violence. For instance, these poor decisions just keep coming. So for instance, one time she just chucks a huge rock at a girl's face while other girls were playing a game of like throwing pebbles she gashes the lady, the girl's like face open. You know, this is like a, something that she would just do, yeah. but she didn't know why she was doing it. She was like, oh, I didn't think about that. That could maybe cause stitches or that I would never be able to play with that girl that lives down the street with me again because her mom would think I'm a bad kid. She also started stealing just because. And when she talks about it, she's like, I don't know why I did it. Like, I just did it. Yeah. There wasn't any kind of ramification for her doing it as much as like, I don't know, like I stole something as a child. Yeah. And dude, it was from the dollar store and I had, I was sick to my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. She wasn't, she didn't have that in her, Mm -hmm. like that frontal lobe of like feeling guilty or like reasoning and all that shit was just not there. She also had a big old attitude and She would talk back to authority like it was second nature. I mean, I think you can imagine this type of kid. She sounds like the catch me outside girl. Oh, dude, by the way, 100%. Every single time she would talk like so I'd listen to the book on tape and it's her reading it. Okay, so I kind of like that because you get the sense of exactly what was going on. 
And I thought that the whole time when she was saying all this stuff, I'm like, that is what you were like. You, that's where she was in her life, you know, yeah. at that point. Yeah. Not even Dr. Phil can give you a smackdown. No, 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 no. That's exactly I'd be shaking right. in my boots. Yep. Yeah. So she finally was expelled from school for having some no-dos that she got from one of her siblings. Which you know what no dose is? Did you ever have that? You ever yeah, take that? of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, Keeps like you caffeine pill. Yeah, I'm surprised that would get you expelled. I know, but you it's know, not like I a narcotic. Think... It's like no, but it also I think she was just difficult. Yeah. So they're probably like, oh, let's just get her out of here. Yeah. So they sent her to alternative school, where basically. You do the work alone and there's other kids that are in there because they behave badly too. The mm-hmm. teacher was just there as a mere adult in the room. There was really no teaching going on. So you can imagine the riffraff that you can get into as yeah. an almost teenage girl going sure. to some school like this. Yeah. And she got into it and she eventually found herself in juvie. She found herself in juvie for fighting with one of these friends' moms. Okay. Oh, wow. So I don't want to go back and forth into why this girl kept getting put into the system and all the things that she did, because honestly, I don't think they're significant. I think what is significant is that this girl's life became a life, like a lot of kids, a life in a system, a juvenile detention system, mental health system, alternative school system, places that you would think would help to rehab children and like mentor them, show them a life beyond like the clink. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's what the system does. Mostly it's where kids feel like left abandoned and start making new friends, bad friends. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Astapro. Thanks Astapro for providing Tab and I with samples. Shout out to all my allergy suffering friends out there. You know how they say it's that time of year for allergies? Well, for me, it sort of feels like it's always that time of year. I thought I had tried everything until I recently discovered Astapro. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. It's faster, bro. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Clink, clink. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started 
with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. At the age of 12, did you think you knew everything? You thought you had the world figured out? I know that my daughter is almost 12 and I think she thinks she has the world figured out. I didn't. Yeah, no. Kyla would have, if I was 12 and she was 12, I would have been scared of her. Kyla? Yeah. (laughs) She would have been the cool kid. I would have been like, giving her my lunch money. Oh, gosh. I like the girl went on a sleepover, never calls me. I'm like, hello, you're a child. You are not a grown adult. Well, this girl also thought she had it all figured out. Yeah. And this young lady, made some friends in the system. She actually figured out how to break out with a boy. And they escaped. And she thought, oh, my God, he is my savior. And you can imagine he was for the weekend at 12 years old. At 12. Wow. At 12. And until, you know, his cousin was like, "Uh, yeah, that girl can't stay on my couch for any longer. She had no place to go. So she found herself back in juvenile hall where she met some other friends, some girls this time. And these girls, they were like 18, 19 years old. I don't know why they would want to hang out with a 12 year old. Seems kind of strange to me. Like I know at 19, I would think a 12 year old was a little too young for my friendship days. But these girls were happy to have her. And she was happy to be free of her mother, free of school, free to do whatever the hell she wanted to do. And what she wanted to do was smoke a lot of pot. So her and her gal pals decided the way that they were going to get enough money to have pot was to steal it from men. And they would like kind of like, for instance, one time they went to one of those porn shops where you can watch movies. Like men can watch movies. And one of the girls would like go and kiss the guy while the other one would steal his wallet. (laughs) Okay. Creative. It's it's creative. (laughs) I think they only got like 13 bucks, which is more than I have in my wallet. So So for a couple years, this preteen and teenager went back and forth to living on couches, living at her house trying to figure out what life was really like when I think she should be going to school playing sports going to dances she was not and by the time she was 15 or 16 years old 
she was hanging out with girls who had kids, robbed men for money, had sex for money, did drugs, sold drugs, and were in gangs. At one point, she too started selling drugs. I mean, it's easy money. Yeah. But it's a hard life. This life led to her being drugged herself, raped for days on end, and finally meeting a 24-year-old man that they called Cutthroat. Cutthroat would soon become her boyfriend, or to her, her boyfriend. Mind you, she's 16, he's 24. Okay. He took her to hotels, bought her some dinner, you know, the real Rico Suave type. Mm -hmm. Not really. Not really. He did take her to hotels, but more like motels. Oh, yeah. So he was like a pimp. He was a pimp. That's exactly what he was. She thought he was the real shizat. She didn't care that he didn't talk much, came to the motel from time to time. She loved him. And she thought he loved her, too. I mean, he loved her so much that when he found out that his friend had raped her, started calling her a slut, beating her and making her be naked 100% of the time when she was in that motel room with him. You see, she was still a child. Yeah. Cut one day was all out of money. And he really liked staying in that motel. So he told this girl to go make him some. And she knew what that meant. So she walked out of her hotel room down to Sonic. I guess Sonic is where you pick up the men. And this is where it gets a little tricky for me to tell the rest of the story. So I am going to tell you right now from... What is on the police interrogation transcripts? Okay. Okay. So at Sonic, a man in a Ford F-150 pulls up and sees this girl after he already grabbed food from the car hop. He rolls down his window and he asks her if she's hungry. She says yes. And she hops in the car. She gets in the car and they get food from Sonic. The The man then says to her, You shouldn't be staying on the streets. I am a safe person. Do you want to come to my house and sleep? And she says yes. Once back at his house, he shows her some guns, talks about how he was a sharpshooter in the army at one time, and more about his life. He tells her he's a youth minister and a real estate agent. According to the transcripts, they both go to bed in the same bed with her on the right and him on the left. This girl says the man got up and down several times going to the bathroom and to another bedroom. Then he touched her, whispered to her, and she felt real uneasy. So when he rolled over to the side of the bed, she got nervous because she has been beaten and raped before and wasn't going to take any chances. So when she thought he was rolling over she thought he was reaching for a gun she reached into her handbag grabbed her gun out of it and shot this guy in the head oh shit once she shot him in the head she gets up she takes 172 dollars from his wallet his guns and his truck 
and hightails it back to cut. From here, she ditches the truck in the Walmart parking lot, but not before she grabs this gentleman's phone and calls 911 to report a homicide in the man's house. So she calls 911 and and gives the guy's address and just says homicide and hangs up the phone. This man's name was Johnny Michael Allen. So Johnny Allen laid there lifeless. When the authorities showed up, he was naked, head on his pillow, hands slightly clasped like underneath his head in a position that I would say you sleep in. Yeah. Now, this teenage girl was just about to grow up real fast because it did not take long before they found her. And of course, they find her naked in the hotel room with Cut. The first thing she says when the police arrives is that Cut had nothing to do with this. I will tell you everything. So what I just told you is exactly what she told the authorities the night that she was arrested. But she's also 16 years old. She didn't tell the police that she was 16 at the time. She told them that she was 19 and she really wanted to protect Cut, who she thought was her boyfriend. Right. Little did she know that Cut could fucking care less about her and was going to out her every chance he could. You know, he was protecting himself. The police read her her Miranda rights, told her that they would let the DA know if she cooperated with them which she took as they would let her off. But this teenage girl did a real bad thing. The authorities finally got word that she was only 16. And so they were real pissed at that. They were like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you can't like lie to police, you know? So they send her to the juvenile detention center where she was given an attorney, allowed to call her mom. But at the end of the day in Tennessee, you can be 16 and tried as an adult. And that's what they did. They tried her as an adult for first degree murder. And in Tennessee, where she was, uh, it's mandatory life in prison. So the trial came and this girl, her story changed a little bit. In the original transcript, she claimed that she was not a prostitute and she did not have sex with Johnny the victim. I think she said she wasn't a prostitute to protect cut. Um, You I'll tell you what has stuck with me since you've been telling this story is I want to know why the victim was naked. Okay. So me too, because if you're the nice guy youth minister that is taking in the girl, you don't sleep next to her naked. And okay, so you I don't think you sleep in the same bed. I think you make you you put her on the sofa or give her your bed and you sleep on the sofa, whatever. I don't think it's a pro, you don't sleep in the same bed. And you, and if you okay. do not naked. I have all those thoughts. Also, I have all those thoughts. I have other thoughts, too. I have a thought like maybe she was in the other bedroom. Like, how do we know she was sleeping in the same bed with him? Right. She could have been in the other bedroom. She could have shot him while he was sleeping just to take his money. Yes, she could have. Oh. Oh, so it's not good for her. I still don't like him being naked, though. But I don't like him being naked either. Yeah. So to me, it's like, dude, even if you brought home a child 
even if he thought she was 19, she looks like a freaking child. Okay. Like even a 19 year old, he's 43. It's weird. Supposedly he had started a homeless shelter too. So like, why don't you just take her there? That's weird. At court, she said that they did made it. They did make a deal. She said, he said, are you up for any action? This is now her story at their, at her trial. Okay. Is that he says, are you up for some action? She says, yes. He's, she says 200. He says a hundred. They get to a deal of 150. However, she still confirms that they didn't have sex at the house. So I just don't like something is not adding up here. And that's why I said, like, at the end, I don't think it's it's not as much about the crime because she did kill him, dude. I don't know why she killed him. I don't. She stuck with the story that she was scared that he was reaching over for his gun. But the way that the crime scene photos yeah, the guy was he was in the position sleeping. where he, yeah, he was sleeping. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think he should not have picked her up. So and even if he wasn't going to sleep with her, she thought he was like, that's what she was out there to do. Right. I mean, yeah. and I told you before, she has this um, she has this feeling like everybody's out to harm her and they kind of were like e- like even her boyfriend would beat her you know yeah. so i think she's got this like chip on her shoulder that everybody's gonna hurt her yeah and she's young and she's had this since she was you know early on in life and then being on the streets since she was 12 i'm sure she has like been through a lot so like i said the her story had changed a little bit. The defense team claimed it was all in self-defense, which is what she also said in her original interview. But the thing about the money kind of creeps me out too. Like you stole his money and left. You didn't like kill him. And Well, I don't think it is self-defense. Listen, I do feel sorry for her for sure. And I think it is something and she should get some kind of leniency because of the circumstances being so triggering to her. But the fact is, he didn't pull a gun on her. So it's not self-defense. Right. Yeah. Yes. And the prosecution, you know, they portray her at this time as a prostitute looking for some cash. So she picks up this dude and executes him, takes his money, and they make her out like a dirty whore. I mean, no, it's real. It's real shitty circumstances for her. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, this was years ago. This was in 2004. I think that's just what how they like it's times have changed. But then they they say she's a prostitute. This is what she does. She's a bad person. And 12 jurors agreed. And so. Only within hours of the attorneys resting their case, this girl was found guilty on all counts and thrown a life sentence with the possibility of parole, but not until she was 69 years old. So this 16-year-old girl was headed to the clink and the big clink, you know. But when you are a minor in the big clink, they basically hold you in solitary confinement until you're 18, which is bananas. Yeah. 
She started her life sentence and she was the same girl. She got in trouble. She fought. She hung out with the wrong crowd. She started doing bad things. I could see how easy it is to do that, especially having a life sentence. You're like, what the, what, what's the point of life in, in general, right? Yeah. But getting in trouble in jail is not fun. And so after years, this girl started seeing other girls that had books and had jobs and minded their own business and thought maybe that life looks a little better. And actually, one of the girls that had like the better of life in jail, if you would call it better, her name was Tabitha. Oh, so her prison that she went to had an opportunity to go to college. And this college was a Christian college that you could go with like kids from the outside, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's called Liscombe. It's not easy to get into. You have to first have your GED. Then you have to take a test. You have to have held a job. You have to have had no penalties on your record for six months. Like you have to be like an upstanding jail citizen. They only admit 15 girls into this program and she made it. It was a huge accomplishment and a huge like just self-confidence booster for her uh, like internal person, you know. So in the background of jail life, she had lawyers working nonstop on appeals for her. But one after another, after another, as years and years went by, you know, those appeals, Mm -hmm. they're mostly denied. Yeah. They even had her evaluated for mental health problems, which did turn out that she has fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, because her mother was a drunk. But even with this, and and by the way, the symptoms of that are like impulse control. There's like all these things that she had, like this is where it came from. Yeah. But even with that evidence, the court still didn't care. And um, they kept her life sentence. At one point, by the way, she was going to Liscombe, this college, and she found out that one of the professors that she really liked was a prosecutor at her appeals trial who argued to the board why she should not be let free. Oh, wow. Could you imagine the slap in the face for that? Oh, my gosh. She confronted him, and he was stunned. He was like, I had no idea that was you. Of course not. Yeah. He apologized to her, but there was nothing that they could do. She was stuck, and that was her final appeal. Life was still looking up in the clink for this girl, but she did a bad thing, which I don't even think is that bad, but some guard kept coming on to her and she ended up having sex with him. So in her book, she feels real guilty about it. Like she feels like she made like a real bad mistake, but dude, like that's this guy's mistake. He's a police officer. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, and by the way, like, I don't know, like I you're locked up for years and years and years and some cute police officer. I think I would do it, too. Of course you would. (laughs) Of course I would. (laughs) Well, she got kicked out of that prison for it. Oh, and so she couldn't 
she couldn't finish her degree because now she was sent from um, Nashville to Memphis. And Memphis was different. Memphis was better in a way, was less structured, had lots of freedom, but lots of ways to get into trouble. And after that freedom started to feel like too much freedom and she felt like a bum, she requested to go back to Nashville and get her degree, which they eventually let her back. So this girl, she really, she really matured and grew and her story was actually picked up by PBS. They ran a small documentary about her serving life and sentencing children to life in prison. Mm -hmm. And a man, a very religious, handsome man noticed her. Actually, a lot of people noticed her from this PBS special and they started sending her mail. You know that mail in jail? Yeah. Yeah. Familiar with that. Mm-hmm. She would write most people back, but this particular guy, he was handsome. He sent some pictures of himself. He was a real religious guy. He sent a very heartfelt letter and she was smitten. This one letter turned into multiple letters, multiple phone calls, and even visits. This man was a Texas man. And he said he was drawn by the grace of God to her. And, um, you know, she was now like well into her 20s, even almost 30. He helped her understand that she needed more in her life, that she needed to start praying every day to God for patience and freedom. He taught her that instead of returning people's wrongs with anger, hate, and violence, which she did, that's like what she resorted to always, that she should turn to God and pray for those people that had wronged her. So that special on PBS also brought her a new attorney who thought that he could help her case. So this girl had herself surrounded by some great people. Okay, where was her mom in all this? Okay, I know I say this at the end, but her mom, every single time she could have visitors, her mom was there. Okay, so she never like... Never abandoned her. No, this mom was like such a good mom. Okay. Actually... Her birth mother kind of came back into the picture for a hot minute, but then kind of dis. her birth mother just, she came and went, you know, okay. she was like, she never, she tried to hold down a relationship with her, but then it, it never, I, you know, some people are, ne- they yeah, never I know. change. They're not cut out for it. Yeah. No. So she had this legal team who she had for 13 plus years by her side. She now had a brother or a boyfriend. And she still had her mother and her mom did come to, like I said, every single, every time, single visitation that she could, but then she got breast cancer. And so she missed a couple when she was going through chemo and all that. Yeah. Around the time of the PBS special was also the Me Too movement. And people started to realize that maybe this girl was not a prostitute. Maybe at 16, you can't be a prostitute. I mean, you can't even legally have sex right? at 16. So this girl was actually being sex trafficked. And I think she was. Yeah. This, this cut guy was a fucking loser. He was a grown man using a child for his own pleasure, locking her up in that hotel room, like having her be naked by day and sending her to the streets by night. Gross. So this brought real awareness to how could they lock a child away for life when maybe she 
had no real awareness of her actions and really no awareness of the consequences that she would face for her actions. And so she prayed. I mean, this girl found God and she graduated college with cap and gown and all, which is real amazing. Mm -hmm. She started an organization called Glitter in Jail to help at-risk girls. Her organization, Glitter, stands for Grassroots Learning Initiative for Teen Trafficking, Exploitation, and Rape. In jail, she would mentor young girls. Uh, She would also go and talk to girls in juvie or not. I think she would have to do it like via phone. Yeah. Still awesome. Awesome. And even talk to girls in high school. I think it's a real amazing achievement and something lots of people could learn from. And like, you know, my episode is only about an hour, but this girl had years of in jail. I can't even like explain all the things that she did and all the change that happened. I mean, you guys can read the book if you want to learn everything, but she didn't have any hope, right? She was like, I have no hope except for there was a way that she could get out. The only way she could get out was the governor of Tennessee would have to grant her clemency. This is really not easy. No, it's a big ask. It's a huge ask. And it doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Actually, only two people, 2% of people that even apply for it get a chance for the board to hear their pleas. Yeah. So praise Jesus, she got a hearing and she was able to speak to the board. So you have to speak in front of a board first. And she did. She apologized for actions. She took full responsibility. She said she was so sorry for taking this man's life. And she knew that he had a life and and she took it from him. She begged for her mercy, saying that she could do more outside of jail for society than she could do inside jail. And I agree with her. Yeah. But the board wasn't totally on board. Some of them were totally not on board. Some of them thought maybe a 25-year sentence would be appropriate, which would give her like 10 more years. Um, And a couple of them thought that that dropping it down to a second-degree murder was appropriate. But ultimately, the governor gets to choose. It doesn't really matter. Even if everybody on the board says they think it's negative, you know? Yeah. The governor can still turn it like it's just kind of like a we think this after reviewing all this. Yeah. Also, her professor from Liscom stood up there and said, 10 years ago, I was here telling you that you should keep her in prison forever. And I have changed my mind and I know this woman and this is not the same person that came into jail 15 years ago. Just like pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So at the same time this was all going on, she got an interview with a local Fox News station to talk about glitter. And her case spread like wildfire from just this small, you know, local news. And a bunch of celebrities started hashtagging for her freedom, like Rihanna. LeBron James, Kim Kardashian, and more. She actually was pretty worried that this publicity could be bad for her. 
But at the end of the day, Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam decided to drop her charges to second-degree murder. And that is a 15-year life or 15-year sentence, which in 2019 she had served 15 years, and so she was going to be free. Right. This girl, her name is Centoya Denise Brown. Centoya, I think, is an amazing woman. She has so much more to her story. Um, she started writing her book in prison. She changed her life and believes that going to prison was probably what changed her life. Mm -hmm. Um, She thinks that there are ways to reform kids and even adults. And instead of sucking from the system, they could make something out of herself, out of themselves. She's seen it from the inside. She knows that there should be change and she's working now to help that change. Her book is called Free Centoya, My Search for Redemption in the American Prison System. If you want to know more about her, her challenges, a lot about her life before prison and inside, it details everything. Also, there's a Netflix special about her. Uh, I think it's a little slanted, but at the end of the day, I do think her story is really about redemption and how sentencing a child to life is probably not the wrong thing to, or probably not the right thing to do. Um, also, side note, Centoya did marry that man. That was my next question. And they actually got married in prison. While she was still in prison, they got married. They did. Yeah. And they made it work on the outside. She is still married to him. His name is Jamie Brown or Jamie Long. Sorry, Jamie Long. Her, so her name is Centoya Brown Long now. I look at her Facebook page and they look like super happy. He is he is highly religious and he is really I mean, he helped her along the way in the later parts of like her prison stay. Yeah. Focus. And focus on being positive and trusting that, um, trusting and like she really believes that the reason she's out is because she trusted God and prayed prayed to Jesus every day. And she would talk to him every day and they would pray on the phone and they would, I mean, she has like, she's very devout and so is he. And yeah, she's she's out and she's living a life. And I mean, there was the cutest picture on her Instagram of her and her mom, like having ice cream. And I do know that um, the guy, Johnny, he, his parents died, but um, there was one friend that came and wanted Centoya to burn in hell, oh. basically. Oh. But it's like, dude, we just taught you just told me your story on Patreon this last week. And the guy got 15 years for killing somebody or killing like two people. So I think at 16 years old, 15 years in prison, even if she meant to do it, is maybe enough. I understand the anger that family members feel. I cert- I certainly understand it. But it doesn't, you know, it, it just is shitty circumstances. It doesn't take away from what it is. I mean, two wrongs don't make a... All right. Don't make a right. right. Yeah. I do think so too. And she is not, if she was still a piece of shit, 
then I would say keep her in there. Like if she was still being a bad sure. prison person. Sure. Yeah. But she's not. She's she's doing right and she's yeah. making a difference in the world. So Yeah. That's my story. That's awesome. I've been watching this show on Netflix. I want to say it's Netflix. It might be Amazon Prime. I get my late night television mixed up. But it's mm-hmm. called Women in Prison. And it's super interesting because it takes all these women that are serving time and gives their backstory to how they found themselves in their Got current there. situation. And, you know, everybody has a story. Like one woman, you know, got on painkillers for like a back injury or something, was like soccer mom of two, mm-hmm. found her found herself calling in fake prescriptions. You know, it just it just snowballs after snowball, you know, and just next thing you know, you know, loses her family, loses her freedom. Oh my God. Everybody's That's got a story. Everyone's got a story. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Nice job. So you guys. Thanks. If you guys want more, Gretchen just did a really good bonus crime on Patreon last week. Patreon.com forward slash Housewives of True Crime. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Gretchen is tired of my story. She's yawning. <laughs> we are also on YouTube. I'm not yawning. HWTC. You. you were. I saw you yawn. I'm, no, I know. No, I yawned, but I'm not yawning because of you. Oh. I'm yawning because the family is exhausting. <laughs> Trust me. And my, and my, and my muscles <laughs> ache. Yeah. Okay. Get a coffee. Yeah. And anyways, clink, clink, guys. Okay. Clink, clink.